Welcome to HBW's Over-the-Counter Podcast. I'm Eileen Francis, HBW's U.S. Cosmetics Reporter. In Over-the-Counter, we explore the latest issues in consumer health and cosmetics in the U.S. and EU. We speak to industry experts and executives about market trends and hot-button issues in the beauty, dietary, supplement, and OTC industries. In this episode, I spoke with Sampo Parkinen, CEO and founder of Revive. Headquartered in Chicago and Helsinki, Revive provides businesses with AI technology platforms to deliver a digitally driven, personalized brand experience to connect with consumers. My associate, Hannah Daniel, spoke with Sampo a year ago about the intersection of skincare, AI, and business. In this episode, I checked back in with Sampo to discuss how AI and augmented reality continue to shape beauty where ChatGPT fits in, and how companies like Revive plan to navigate potential EU regulations addressing AI and the importance of consumer privacy. Thank you for joining us today, Sampo. Um, so a lot has happened since we spoke with you a year ago. Uh, we hear more and more about how beauty firms are using AI and AR to connect with consumers uh, and to customize products. And I know um, this technology is developing quickly and it's impacting the industry uh, much more broadly even than a year ago. So I thought it would be good to check back in with you and get kind of a big picture perspective on how you see AI and AR shaping beauty now and in the near future. Um, and as a starting point, I was hoping you could remind us how your company uses AI and AR to connect brands with consumers. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Eileen, and, and thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to uh, pleasure to be here again. Absolutely. So, so I think you know the way that we look at AI and, and AR at Revive is really through the lens of the consumer and the customer journey in beauty. So, so if you remember what we are all about, what our mission really is, is to enable brands as well as retailers to ultimately build stronger, better, more sustainable relationships with their consumer audience. And the way in which we do that is the platform that we've developed, uh, which allows the brands and retailers really personalize the entire consumer journey for their consumer audience from the initial interaction they have with the consumer all the way to that consumer becoming a loyal advocate of the brand. And, mm -hmm. and as part of our platform, you know, AI and AR are one of the, are, are the sort of key and core technologies that we leverage for for that purpose. So that's kind of the lens through which we view those those technologies. Okay, and I understand that Revive is the leading uh, company globally to offer um, this type of technology for beauty. Um, you know, to connect beauty brands with consumers. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, today we we are a distributed team on 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 three different continents. We work with customers, enterprise, um, and mid-market brands and retailers on five different continents. Um, more than 150 different um, different brands and retailers leverage our solutions across in-store, online, in-app, whichever channel they are interacting with their consumers mm -hmm. with uh, across more than 50 different countries. So, so absolutely. Okay. Um, now, looking ahead, how could you see Revive using these technologies in the future in ways you're not doing now? What is the the potential for this technology, and I guess the best case scenario of where it could take the brand consumer relationship? Yeah, I think you know 
both of these technologies, you know, both AI and AR are, are something that we're really excited about at Reviv. And, and again, we see a lot of potential in these technologies um, because when you look at the beauty space or health, skin health, beauty and wellness, as we like to, to call it, because we believe those, those verticals are very much interlinked in the mind of the consumer, we really see the power of the test, this technology being able to effectively supercharge the customer experience. And, and as we know, these verticals and the products that consumers are buying for their skin, for their beauty, for their well-being needs, those are probably the most personal products any consumer ever buys. And, and as such, you know, we understand that you know, there's a certain really personal and, and in some ways very human element as well to, to this industry. And you know, we're, we're sort of firmly in the camp that we believe that these technologies are not there to replace the human touch or the romance of beauty, as, as some of our customers call it. But they're really there to supercharge the brands and provide the brand representatives and the beauty consultants with superpowers that enable them to really serve, really understand their consumers, really serve their consumers on a much more intricate level. Um, so, so we're really excited about you know the the power these technologies have in really augmenting a human experience in in particular uh, in these verticals. So not just using the technology for a technology-driven experience, but really augmenting and enhancing the human-led experience assisted by technology. And so, Sampo, given the, the level of personalization offered by uh, your technology and kind of riding on this self-care trend, do you think there are op- opportunities to combine a health, well-being aspect into your services or it, at least um, through AI and AR in the, in the near future? Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned, you know, the the skin health, beauty and wellness and, and you know, health and wellness are very much interlinked with skin and beauty in the mind of the consumer. So if we think about beauty more broadly, it's not just about color cosmetics. It's not just about your skin. It is really about your lifestyle, your nutrition, your your sleeping habits uh, overall. And, and I think in that context, you know, these technologies have a really sort of powerful role to play because they can introduce, um, you know, sort of elements um, of understanding, you know, depths of understanding about the consumer as a whole, not just their makeup preferences, not just which skincare brands they prefer, not just, you know, which skincare preferences they have, but the consumer as, as a whole entity and really pro- provide brands with a real profound understanding of who their customer is. And, and I think that is a sort of key stepping stone towards really serving that customer. Because if you really want to provide a personalized experience to your consumer, you really need to know that consumer. And I think AI and AR enable brands to do that, you know, are not just in those verticals of products that, you know, you may be selling as a brand, but but actually focus on the consumer as a whole. And, and I think that's that is really powerful. And I think that's a really powerful use case for these technologies that, you know, we're not leveraging today. Uh, there's certainly the potential to, to leverage in the, in the near future. And, and um, we're seeing some very exciting developments um, in that front. We know that AR is being used for uh, medical device R&D to predict uh, yet to be developed products, you know, how they, they can be used by consumers. 
Um, and we're curious if there's any opportunity for AR in the development of beauty products. So actually getting in on the formulation. Um, and we were thinking in terms of, you know, can it be used to not only formulate products, but find solutions with current formulation challenges um, or even improve upon sustainability? Yeah, look, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, the development uh, phase of, of whether it's skincare products or color cosmetics, I think that is definitely a, a, an area um, that has a lot of potential for for AR. Um, mm -hmm. I do believe that, you know, there are some very low hanging fruit use cases around being able to predict and model out the efficacy of, of formulations and efficacy of products, you know, by the R&D teams. I think that is, is, is a fairly sort of exciting use case. Uh, but I do think there are others as well. So, so I do believe that, 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 you know, there, there is the power of this technology, not just to serve the consumers of the brands um, directly, but actually also to serve the internal stakeholders within brands, you know, whether it's the R&D teams, whether it's the, you know, loyalty teams, marketing teams, and, and, and so forth. So I think it's, um, it, it is very, very, uh, very exciting. Okay. And I, I know you're on the technology end of it, but have, have you heard of any um, companies that are employing AR in the development of products? Or is it, is it more kind of theory right now? Well, I think there are some there are some use cases to to deploying a, to deploying AR, and there are some specialized companies who really focus on you know enabling R and D teams to to effectively model out the efficacy of certain formulations and certain products um, mm -hmm. on the consumer. So, so I think that is a fairly low hanging sort of use case um, in the sense um, uh, because you know if we think about particularly skincare, these are particularly skincare related because if we think about the, the skincare products um you know every brand wants and needs to develop products that have a certain level of efficacy uh if the products don't work then there's no real reason to uh, to to develop them in the first place and certainly they won't attract a a, a sustainable consumer audience um so today if we think about the process of developing these new products it is pretty laborious pretty time consuming and, and i think there's a there are aspects of ar technology that can really sort of help speed up that development um and mm -hmm. this sort of efficacy efficacy testing is, is is certainly at the forefront of those use cases and, and um yeah there, there are several companies you know leveraging that technology providing that technology to brands specifically in that context okay Okay, interesting. Um, and and how about AI? Do you do you think um, AI is being used to help uh, formulate more innovative products? Well, I think I you know I can't say whether whether that's the case today, but I do mm -hmm. believe that I, you know fundamentally, I think AI has potentially even a bigger application to the development of new skincare, makeup, you know, hair care, uh, you know, well-being products than than even AR because. What really AI allows, you know, the R&D teams to to really gain um, are some in-depth insights um, about the consumer audience, uh, you know, about mm -hmm. the current consumer audience that the brands are serving. And if we think about, you know, again, why are brands developing new products? Why are retailers 
uh, introducing new products from brands into their inventories. Um, on one hand, yes, those products definitely need to have a certain level of efficacy, but it's just not enough that the products work. The consumers also need to be attracted to those products, whether it's because mm -hmm. of the ingredients, the mix of ingredients, the the relationship to trends, the consumer profiles, the consumer appetites. And I think AI uh, in particular has even bigger potential for the R&D teams of brands because it does allow the brands to be connected all the way through from their R&D teams you know, in real time to the end consumer and the end consumer insights. And again, historically, the data about the end consumer, sure, it has been available for brands and the R&D teams of brands, but it's been available with a time lag. It's been available you know, in, in a sort of very concentrated fashion. And I think AI can really enable that sort of insight gathering as well as analysis on behalf of the R&D mm -hmm. teams so that you know, their starting point for product development is really the consumer. What does the what does their consumer want? What does their consumer need? And then creating formulations um, around that. So so I think it's less used today, but I actually believe the potential is is even bigger than than for AR. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then moving on to Chat GPT, which we're all talking about these days. Um, there's been a lot of talk of uh, of how it could enhance product personalization, customer experience across industries. Um, but I was curious how you, you think this technology um, could benefit the work that you do or just in general improving upon the beauty customer experience. Yeah, definitely. So, so if, I, if I answer that first from our perspective, you know, for us, we are really sort of firm labels that, that you know, we want you as a brand and we want your customers to get the absolute best, most personalized customer experience um, that that results in a sort of long term, strong relationship between the brand and, and the consumer. Mm -hmm. And when you think about sort of large language models like JetGPT or whether it's you know barred from from Google, um, which is another one, mm -hmm. um, the way we look at that is that ultimately you know those ai models those large language models they are very powerful and they can provide let's say a a a part of a, an overall experience to the consumer which feels really personalized it feels really um you know really sort of in depth for the for the consumer um and you know, when we think about our platform as well, you know, we have the ability to to leverage those types of technologies as part of the overall experience. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so so the way we look at those is that those are potential third party third party technologies that you know we can leverage or the brand can leverage uh, connected to our platform. Now, if I think about it more broadly, uh, you know, I am very much in the camp and. and and, and you know this this has been said in in, in in a number of different podcasts as well that you know ultimately these these models are very very exciting you know very very exciting exciting developments um, and we're really very early in the building phase of these models and what that means is is really a few things it means that right now 
things are getting better. These models are getting better. Um, the experiences that you can build around uh, GPT is is getting infinitely better every week, every month, uh, you know, and, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, we believe that that, or I believe that that a lot of these models themselves um, will eventually get commoditized, and the real power that these models have comes from the input data that you as a brand have, you as a technology company have, you as a retailer have to input into these models. And that's where the differentiation comes. If we think about the ability for GPT, for example, to really enhance and personalize the the customer experience, it really comes from what is the unique data that you as a brand or you as a company can offer that model, that GPT model, mm-hmm. to really make the experience better for your consumers than, than anyone else can. And that's where the real differentiator um, differentiator comes from, uh, is having that unique access to a particular data set that is very, very hard to, to come by. Right. So then my I was my next question was going to was going to be on whether chat GPT, um, you know, which they say will be good for communication with consumers and helping to personalize products. If it could weaken that more personal bond that consumers have with their brands. Um, and but what you're saying is it, it sounds like it could actually sort of strengthen that by the information that it's fed from your brand. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it, it is it, there is a careful balance, you know, particularly when we think about skin health, beauty and wellness, you know, the most personal verticals of, of commerce. There is a careful balance because there is a very romantic, very human element to, to this industry. And, and we have to recognize that. And I think when you think about providing an experience that is purely driven by technology, so an experience or a dialogue between the brand and the consumer, if that is purely driven by technology, you know, let's say ChatGPT, the ultimately what makes that conversation feel personal? What makes that conversation feel, you know, feel human for the for the for the for the consumer is really that sort of unique data that you can feed that conversation as a as, as a brand with. Mm-hmm. So if you're simply deploying the large language model um, with a generic set of data and generic sets of instructions, that is exactly the dialogue that it's it's going to be able to have with the consumer. So if you're able to, however, you know, feed it with insights and un- understanding of the consumer that only you have, then the end result for the consumer, even if the dialogue itself is, is purely driven by technology will feel much much more personal and and I mm-hmm. think that's something that really can set um, set the winners in the space uh, in the space apart. Um, but you know it also needs to be said that you know even if you are leveraging you know ChatGPT or Bard or whatever whichever large language model you're using, you don't necessarily need to simply just leverage that as part of the dialogue. Again. There can be an actual human involved, an actual human element involved, because the power of these technologies is really not just to use technology for the sake of just using technology, but but really use the technology to 
help the human do things or do things at a pace that was previously simply not possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's where the, the power lies. So you're also not, as a brand, sort of confined to leveraging these models or a human. There is a, there's a combination in between. Right. Um, and uh, looking from a regulatory perspective, we know the EU has proposed the AI Act, which would regulate AI based on risk categories. Uh, are there any concerns or challenges there for Revive and companies like yours um, in terms of facing that potential uh, regulation? Yeah, so I think that there's a couple of viewpoints to to um, you know the way a couple of ways to look at this. I think first and foremost, if we think about Revive and if we think about how we look at things like privacy, security, and, and compliance. You know, we're very much at the forefront of those topics on a global basis. You know, we, our, our enterprise customers also pose very high demands when it comes to privacy and security. Um, and, and how do we handle handle risk? Um, we as a company, we are still today to be the only enterprise grade solution provider in the space who has never been named uh, in any um, you know, BIPA related related class action uh, lawsuit, um, uh, and that's strictly because of the privacy and security practices that we as a company employ. So, so we do take privacy and security and compliance really, really uh, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that said, you know, I think the EU, um, the EU is really always ahead when it comes to to regulation, and 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 I think they have a very very um, very aspirable and very noble goal, which is really protecting the consumer. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in that sense, you know, they are, you know, they are a bit on the opposite ends uh, with, with, with the U.S. at times, um, whether it's about AI or whether it's about other topics where they, where they look at the sort of regulatory route first and how do we ensure that nothing bad happens for the consumer. Um, and, and, and I think that is a, it, it is a, it's it's a good stance to 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 take. I think, you know, we as a company are, are certainly fine with that stance. But I do think that, you know, there there is a balance between, you know, putting out regulation for new technologies that are maybe not that mature. Um, all the positives or the negatives of those technologies. There's always positive and negatives to any technology. Right. They're not fully known yet. Um, and I think the risk is, and the counterbalance of that regulation is, is making sure that you know we're we're, we're not overregulating um, an industry to to effectively stifle innovation. Because ultimately, if innovation gets stifled because of regulation, then the polar opposite of protecting the consumer you know tends to happen, which means the consumer ultimately loses out. So. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a, you know, that is very much a, a, a balance that that I think any regulatory entity, you know, whether it's whether it's the EU today or whether it is um, whether it is um, you know Congress tomorrow needs to needs to really look at and 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 take seriously. So so it, it's a positive thing that they are taking notice that they really understand and start looking at the importance of these technologies because they wouldn't be looking to regulate anything that isn't important. So I think that is a recognition of the power and the potential of these technologies. But I think we should still be very thoughtful in 
how that regulation occurs to still allow for innovation as well as you know protect the consumer. Yep. Well, this is uh, fascinating stuff. And that was my last question to you, Sampo. Um, so thank you so, so much for your insight on this issue. And please conti- uh, continue to keep us in the loop on all the exciting developments at Revive. Definitely. You know, my pleasure to pleasure to be here and pleasure to have the, the discussion. I think these are very, very important, important topics, not just today, but certainly growing into the into the future. Phil. So very happy to, to have the conversation.